0: Good morning. Today we're reading from Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through to 34. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also." And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labour or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? Companies. I am a liberator of them. The point is, ladies and gentlemen,
1: that greed,
0: for lack of a better word, is good. Greed is right. Greed works. Greed clarifies, cuts through, and captures the essence of the evolutionary spirit. Greed in all of its forms, greed for life for money, for love, knowledge, has marked the upward surge of mankind and greed, you mark my words, will not only save Teldar Paper, but that other malfunctioning corporation called the USA. Thank you very much.
1: Well, that was Gordon Gecko in the movie Wall Street. You probably remember that back in the 80s. And uh, he exists in this system that rewards effort, doesn't he? Rewards ingenuity. Uh, maybe uh, if you work hard, you get rewarded in that system. If you work in a clever way, if you're, um, if you're ingenious in the way that you work, you get rewarded. Uh, and I understand how that system works. Today, I'm one of the pastors here at Trinity Church, Modbury, but I haven't always been in full-time ministry. But before I explain that, uh, let me introduce myself. Paul Cooper is my name. Uh, most people call me Coop, so feel free to call me that and a very big welcome, I'll add my welcome to Jane's, a very big welcome to everybody. And particularly if you're new or you're visiting today, you've been invited along perhaps to listen to our um, Big Questions series, um, then it's really fantastic to have you here. Thank you so much. And today, uh, as Jane said, we'll be answering the first biggest challenge. Uh, What's the biggest challenge we're facing was the question. Uh, greed, there's so much greed and inequality, and where is God in all of that? That's the question that we're going to be answering this morning. Now, as I said, I wasn't always in full time ministry. I spent about um, 20 years in uh, working for a corporate. And so, just listening there to Gordon Gecko from that movie, I get it. Now, we had profit targets to hit back where I worked. If you hit the target, you got paid a bonus. And they were scaled, actually. If you exceeded it, you got paid more. And so on that basis, household income goes up, doesn't it? And it's a system that does work. If you have a look at this slide here, this is a study that was carried out by the University of Melbourne, carried out over about 17 years. And as you can see, this is uh, household income. And it's gone up, hasn't it, consistently. And in some cases, um, by about 40%. Now, that's a good thing. That's why we have this great standard of living that we have here in Adelaide. It's why we have the great standard of health care that we've got. The good schools and all the roads and all the facilities that we have. These are all good things. And the Bible teaches that we are to provide for ourselves. There we go. That was Glenn. I... The clicker and I have a fairly um, fractious relationship. Doesn't seem to be working for me this morning. But the Bible does teach that we're to provide for ourselves. The Apostle Paul taught the church in Thessalonica. This is in his letter to them uh, in 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 10. And he says, For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. The one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. So we're supposed to work, aren't we? We're supposed to work, and we're supposed to provide for ourselves. And when I was working for corporate, when we hit those profit targets, you know, it meant we could pay everybody well. The company would grow. We could give jobs to more people. We could employ more people. More people would earn money. They could provide for themselves. And that in itself is a good thing. But in that movie Wall Street, Gordon Gecko, he's not talking about earning a living, is he? Not really. He's talking about desire. And it's a desire for more and more and more. And if you've seen the movie, as far as he's concerned, it's more of everything. You know, money, that's just the vehicle to get the things that he wants, the things that he desires. He loves it. And he trusts it. And why not? It provides him with everything, his housing, his food, his clothing, his transport, his entertainment, his holidays, pleasure and pleasure and more pleasure. Anything really that his heart desires. It's hard not to fall in love with something like that, isn't it? To give your hearts to it. There we go. Thanks, Pete. Now, today's passage that Susie read for us, um, these are Jesus' words that have been recorded for us. This is Jesus teaching the people that were with him. So we're hearing his words, and he said in verse 21, Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, that's what Gordon Gecko is on about. Greed, desiring more and more. So it's obvious, even from that little clip, isn't it? It's obvious where his treasure is and where his heart is he has a love and a trust of money that's his treasure but it's misplaced it's a misplaced love and trust and actually uh, we see the effect of that around us all the time that same company that i worked for one year uh, we had still made money we were still profitable but we hadn't hit the target that had been set for us And uh, even though we could still pay everybody and we could still meet all our costs with a little bit left over, people lost their jobs. And they lost their jobs because more profit had to be made. That was the mandate. And that will create inequality, won't it? It has to. And I'm not saying, don't mishear me, I'm not saying it's a problem with the system. What I'm saying is that it's a problem with us. We were made to love and trust something. The Bible tells us that. We were made to love and trust something. But when we place that love and trust in something human or something finite, it's never going to meet all of our expectations. If we love something, we want to be loved back, don't we? Always. If we trust something, when we place our trust in something, we want that thing to be trustworthy, always trustworthy. But anything human eventually cannot meet those expectations. Nothing human can bear the pressure of that. And so, our passage earlier on in verse 19, Jesus' word says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Because investments will fail, markets will fall. They're not trustworthy from that point of view and they never loved us anyway. And you know, even people who don't trust what the Bible has to say know that it's true. There is a, a lady by the name of Dorothy Rowe and she wrote back, uh, back in 1997 in an English newspaper, The Times, and she wrote this. Even if we achieve what the world is pleased to acknowledge as success, we discover that the seizing of it fails to satisfy the hunger of our spiritual expectation. It just won't fill us up. Dorothy knew that, and this is somebody who hadn't placed their trust in what the Bible has to say. We are made to love and trust something, but it's something that doesn't let us down, and something that does always love. And the Bible tells us what that is. In in this passage here from um, 1 John, A part of the Bible in the New Testament, 1 John 4 from verse 15 says, If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. See, God's intention is for us to know his Son, Jesus, and to know and rely on his love. We were made to love God. And that's the greatest commandment that Jesus spoke about. To love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul. That's who we were made to love and rely on or to love and trust. God. And more than that, if you notice from this passage, God is love. That's what he is. He is love. That is where love comes from. So it stands to reason, doesn't it, that if we don't know the one that love comes from, we can't know love. Not really. And if that's the case, how can we love others properly if we don't know what it is? And the Bible tells us way back at the beginning of the Old Testament in the book of Genesis that we were made in God's image. It says there for us, God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. Well, if we don't truly know God, we won't recognise the image of God in others. And if you bring that and greed together, then it must lead to inequality. It has to. Because if we accumulate anything that isn't infinite, it must come at a cost from someone else. That stands to reason. And if our love for them's deficient, well it won't bother us anyway. or maybe less directly. We might just look the other way. And perhaps the extreme example of that is the slave trade. Still exists today, even uh, as uh, last year. there was a slavery ring operating out of England. They trafficked vulnerable people from Poland, so they would prey on people in Poland, people who lived on the streets people that had just got out of jail, you know, people who were really down in life. And they would promise them work in England. And they said, you know, just jump on this bus that will put you on, we'll send you over to England, Um, you can start a new life there and there'll be an income for you and so on. They sent them over, put them to work and paid them about 50 pence a day. And they threatened them and they beat them. And they made them live in conditions like this. Well, in that passage that was read to us from verse 22, it says, The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now that criminal gang operating out of the UK, operating out of Poland rather, they didn't have their eyes on God, did they? They were full of darkness. Extreme inequality here and the criminal gang there, they they were not bothered by it in the slightest. And if our world turns further and further away from God, we will see more and more greed and more and more inequality. but it doesn't have to be that way. There was a woman uh, by the name of Edna Byler. This is uh, Edna here on your left in the black. Um, She was a woman who did have her eyes on God, Christian woman, uh, lived in the US. And back in the 1940s, she traveled to Puerto Rico uh, with her husband on business. And she met women there who were just so uh, poverty stricken. They couldn't afford to feed their own children. And so she started to sell their needlework back in the US to give them a sustainable income. She loved those families. And today, I'm sure many of you would know, there is this huge fair trade movement, isn't there? You see it in the shops, and this was the beginning of it, this fair trade movement in chocolate and coffee and crafts and clothes, all sorts of things. Loving others by paying them fairly lifting them out of economic slavery that still exists today all begun by a woman who first loved god it's like our reading said there in verse 24 no one can serve two masters either you'll hate the one and love the other or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other you cannot serve both god and money Not that it's wrong to have money, we just mustn't serve it. It's a wholehearted devotion to God. That's what Jesus is talking about here. Whole hearts turn to God. We can't give our allegiance to both God and money. One will always be before the other. And when, like Edna, we know God first, we'll know love. Then we're able to love and we're able to provide for others. If you think about it, God created everything. It all belongs to God anyway. We're just custodians, really, aren't we, of everything that He gives us? And if you're the custodian of something, don't you want to do with it what the owner wants you to do with it? We've just moved into a. We've moved, and we've just moved temporarily. We're house sitting, so we are the custodians of this. Really nice house that this lovely couple are allowing us to uh, live in for a few months, and uh, you should see this place. It is—it's amazing. It's still full of everything of their stuff because uh, while they're away travelling, um, but um, we know that they want us to return the house to them and all their belongings in the same way they gave it to us. So it looks like a museum at the moment. We've got drop cloths all over the couches and um, you know two tablecloths on all the tables. Because we're trying to look after it and do what they want and hand it back to them in the same condition. Well, God wants us to love others with what he's given us. And it's also his provision for us, which is the thrust of Jesus' comments about worry in the second part of that passage that was read. Now, I don't know if you've heard the saying, Worry is like a rocking chair. Gives you something to do, but it never gets you anywhere. See, the people of God are not to worry about their needs. doesn't mean we're not to work or we're not to plan. But we don't need to be anxious. We have a Father who's aware of our needs. And if we don't know God, then inevitably we will be anxious about our future. Have a look at this slide. This is the same report, out of the same report that the University of Melbourne did, this one on depression and anxiety. Um, The numbers might be hard for you to see. It doesn't really matter. You just look at the gradient of that chart and you can see that while household income I showed you earlier is on the up and up, so is depression and anxiety. Like something is not working there. If we don't know God... Like, no wonder there is a desire to accumulate more and more uh, because it's impossible to tell how much is enough or how much you might need or whether some part of it might get lost along the way somewhere you know like planning for retirement how much do you need I don't know if you've ever spoken to a financial um, advisor you know a difficult conversation how much do you need well it all depends on how long you live you know, how many years do you think you've got left you can't be certain There was a guy um, living opposite my parents over in WA. They live on the canal, so it's sort of waterfront. It's very nice. Uh, And this guy had worked hard. Um, My uh, dad had watched this guy working hard for years and years, had a really good job. He'd earned really good money. And he bought this massive house, beautiful house, right on the water. Had a jetty out the front. He'd bought a 45-foot motorboat, massive boat, He had uh, jet skis that would sort of park up against it. He had a spa that was mounted right up there on the canal overlooking the water. He had everything. He was married. He had kids. They'd grown up. They'd moved out of home. And he was really close to retirement. Months away, right? And he got a brain tumour and he died. And within months, his wife had taken up with another guy. He moved in. And he was using all these things that this bloke had worked for decades to acquire. So he had no certainty about his future and stored all his treasure there in his belongings. But if you know God, then you know certainty. See, Jesus himself said there in our passage seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. See, there is a consequence for ignoring the creator of everything. We, we can't be righteous. We can't be right with God by ourselves because we all ignore him. But he provides for his people, and ultimately he did, he did that through sending his son jesus christ who died in our place and who paid the debt that we owe to god for ignoring him and he was raised to life again so that punishment god took on himself and he only asks that we believe it that he's done it and to trust jesus and he'll forgive us and give life with him forever So that's what we're to seek. Not riches in wealth, but God's kingdom and God's king, Jesus Christ. And then God will give to us what we can never achieve through our own efforts. Being made right with God. That's our certainty. And that is the absolute opposite of inequality. See, when we seek the righteousness of the kingdom of God then we learn that what we seek has been given. It's not achieved. It's given to us freely. And if we seek the kingdom of God, we can be forgiven and brought to him. Now that is the ultimate leveller, isn't it? There's no inequality before God. He'll accept everyone who comes to him. It doesn't matter how much money we have, what education we've got, what we do for a living, where we live, what we've done in our past. He'll forgive and accept us if our heart is turned to him. That's where certainty is found. That's where relief from worry and anxiety and what tomorrow brings, that's where that's found. It's where love for us is found. And it's where love for others can be found. So let me finish by uh, using this rope to, to illustrate what it means to love and trust God first. First. Uh, Some of you may have seen this. This red end represents our lives right now. Just this little bit here. And the rest of this white rope. This is eternity, right? This is all of the time that we'll have after this life, after this little red bit finishes. And in this red end, we've got this problem where we rebel and we ignore God. And we see the results of that all around us. Greed and inequality amongst them. So why do we care what we have in this little red bit when we have all of this offered ahead of us see god's dealt with our problem for us and if our hearts turn to jesus and what he's done to bring us to god then we have all of this eternity together with god who is love no greed no inequality And so the question for us to consider is what is it that we choose to wholeheartedly place our love and trust in? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for these words uh, spoken by Jesus so long ago and recorded for us. We do thank you that you're a God who is love and that it is by knowing you in your love that we may properly love others. Father, we live in a broken and sinful world. You, you provided the solution that we couldn't by the death and the resurrection of your son, Jesus. So, Father, we pray that we may come to know him personally. We might be saved to an eternity that is free of greed and the inequality that we see in our society. Help us, Father, to live that way now in this red end of our rope that we might wholeheartedly turn towards you, Father, placing you first looking forward with hope and joy to the eternity that we will spend with you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.